Good evening. A warm welcome to the service this evening. Those who are here, good to see a good number again here this evening, and those who are uh, watching uh, online. It's good for us to come together to worship God. Now I'll ask uh, Farakar to lead us in prayer in Gallup, please. No, dear Grash, for nine of us, Yanik, Hoxing at the Yeskers, a young sea, Shadabashugus, Eric the Hare, Snedokohain, Crane Condi, Shalish in Yerna, Ashnukoni, Gibetohainich in Bloating, and the precious spirit nerve. You will give a Kahanakin, either Falach, or Kahni, a Hakonded in Hain, you will sing a Dalian of the spirits. Sashin for Yerkin Gucht at the Yeskers, Gudokohain going in Karim and in Nodele, which in a county hale, could be fair washed, Ergus Nahani, Giovanni Hanagain, if we fair it in Kirn, or the Yats in the Yes, it in Kirn, Yevat Spion of Noah, Edi at Suez, Marinola, it is Kirn, Royat, Ergus Hanas at Ski, Shuriat, Ergus Hananich Yat. Sashin at the Mongo getting Yeskers at East. Sashinyakonius 
Dönje, <laughs> 
Amen. Let's turn now to God's Word and we'll read from Esther chapter 4. And you remember that uh, two weeks ago as we came to this, uh, uh, an edict has been served and uh, all the Jews, all God's people uh, have have, uh, been notified that uh, there's this uh, impending uh, judgment uh, from the state that's to follow them. Uh, there was this death sentence that hung, hung over them and uh, Mordecai and Esther, who weren't known um, as God's people, uh, are now coming to terms with this and uh, they are uh, having to consider how to respond to this. So, Esther 4 and uh, chapter 1. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, <clears throat> he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict was an order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. 
So Hathath went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city, in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence, to beg for mercy and to plead with him for her people. Athath went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, uh, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the golden scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent the supply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days and night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's uh, pray again as we come back to God's word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you are the God who calls us to draw near to you and we thank you that you are the God who promises that as we seek to draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And we recognise that uh, that is all made possible not uh, through our own endeavours or our own desires or our own earnest cries, but we thank you that uh, the the way into your presence has been made uh, possible, it's been opened by Jesus. We think of the cross when Jesus died and the curtain tore from top to bottom showing that the way into the presence of God, into the holiest of holies was now now clear, it was now open uh, through the shed blood of Jesus. So as we seek to come near to you, we we do so in Jesus' name. We do so trusting in the, the blood of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that we would know and experience your presence as we bow before you. We thank you that as we open the word of God, we hear the voice of God. And we ask that uh, you would open our ears to, to hear your voice. We pray that you would speak into our lives and our experience this evening. And we thank you that in our circumstances as well, in the, the details of our lives you speak. And even in the words of the hymn that we sang, even in our woes, uh, we are often drawn nearer uh, to you. And we see that in this uh, account that we read of Esther and Mordecai and your people uh, who are facing the the most awful uh, news, the, who, who are in a, a state of despair. And uh, yet we thank you that through these dark circumstances, uh, our salvation, not just their salvation, but our salvation was secured. So hear our prayers and help us, Lord, as we look to you. And what we pray for ourselves here in this service, we pray for the, the teenagers as they meet after this uh, service we pray for the yf as they come together around your word that you would speak to them uh, that you would draw near to them that you would cause those who are not yet trusting you uh, to look in faith to jesus in the early years and those who are your people and uh, who are seeking to follow you in a a world and in a culture uh, that is difficult uh, to follow jesus in we pray that you would give them strength that you would sanctify them we pray for those who lead them as well for stuart and joyce and others who will lead this evening that you would uh, use them that you would bless them 
and that you would help them as they seek to point uh, the young ones to Jesus. So hear our prayers and uh, continue with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you do when you hit a a huge problem or a crisis uh, in in life? Uh, What do you do, how do you react uh, when you all of a sudden are facing uh, something that you could never have foreseen was coming, but it's now unavoidable and it's, uh, it's all you can, you can think about. I mean, if we think about our own world just now, uh, imagine uh, being just an ordinary person in the nation of Ukraine. Uh, just a few weeks ago, their lives were very much like our lives, um, peaceful and stable and fairly secure. Uh, life was relatively comfortable. And, and then very quickly they started to hear of the threat of, of, of Russia overshadowing them And within a few days, bombs were falling and uh, families were wondering, what on earth uh, do we do? And that's kind of the situation uh, that God's people were in as we pick back up in in Esther 4. Uh, An edict has been uh, drafted and approved and it's been delivered throughout the kingdom. Uh, Haman, who is the prime minister, he's the the baddie in this story. Uh, He's managed to manipulate the king, King Xerxes, who wasn't a very honourable man in the first place, but... He's been manipulated and used by uh, this uh, character, Haman. Uh, And legislation has been passed uh, that will, uh, and I'm quoting here from chapter 3, verse 13, uh, will uh, allow uh, God's people to be destroyed and killed and annihilated. Just So there's absolutely no uh, doubt over what's instructed here. God's people are to be destroyed, killed and annihilated. All the Jews... Uh, young and old, women and little children. So that's the order, that's the edict that's gone out. And so for God's people, uh, this was the most uh, serious trouble. This was not an inconvenience or a, a slight concern that had come into their lives. They were in the most grave danger. Uh, they were in the most serious trouble. And trouble is never something that we welcome. It's never something that we look for. Um, but very often, uh, trouble and difficulty are, are used by God uh, to sanctify his people, to build us up, to strengthen us, uh, to, to strengthen our faith. Because very often it's in the midst of trouble uh, that, that we, we see how powerful God is and what he can do. Uh, very often it's, it's not calm and peaceful times, but it's trouble that, that brings God's people out into the open. And when you think about the, the, the book of Esther, Uh, So far in this book, uh, God's people haven't been that bright. Uh, They've kind of had their heads down, trying to fly under the radar. And some people, some of the commentators say that was wise and that was necessary, that they would keep their heads down and say nothing. And some of the commentators say they were compromised and they should have been uh, standing up for Jesus, to use our New Testament language. Um, We don't know uh, what the answer to that one is. We're not their judge. We're not uh, asked to make a judgment on what was going on in the the hearts and minds of uh, God's people back then. Um, But we can see that they weren't that visible and they they weren't that audible. But from this point on, uh, we see Mordecai, one of the main characters, a man of God. And we see Esther, the the main character, really, in terms of the human interest here. Uh, She's a woman of God. And both Mordecai and Esther, they step up from this point on. Uh, They show courage. Their faith is seen. Their faith is heard as they respond to this awful situation. Uh, Malcolm McLean, the minister who was in Scalpy for a few years, uh, he, he writes this. He says, it was a dark time. But often such occasions are the making of a person. And in this chapter from the book of Esther, we see how... Esther came out of the shadows as far as God's kingdom was concerned and played a vital role in its ongoing existence. So what I want to look at tonight in the the, the minutes that we have is uh, how God's people in this chapter respond to trouble. And there's three things to note. The first thing is they pray. 
The second thing is they plan. The final thing, and we'll just say a word about it, is they, they proceed. So very simple, very straightforward. They pray, they plan, and they proceed. So first of all, they, they pray. Look at verses 1 to, to verse 3. Uh, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, this edict that's been served, uh, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Now you might be saying, well, where did you get prayer from in, in, in that uh, in these three verses, uh, where does it say that they prayed? And, well, it doesn't say that they prayed. Uh, but in verse 3, uh, it mentions uh, fasting. And uh, fasting is always accompanied by prayer in, in the Bible. Uh, Warren Wearsby, the commentator, says, Fasting and prayer are frequently found together in Scripture, for fasting is a preparation for concentrated and humble prayer. And you could go to Ezra for that. You can go to uh, Psalm 35 for that. You can go to Daniel 9 and see that. You can go to Acts 13 and, and see that pattern. Uh, fasting and prayer always went together in the Bible. And so they pray. Now the situation uh, was, was hostile, remember. They're not uh, in, a, in a Christian-friendly culture. Uh, this Persian Empire uh, was a place where it was very dangerous to have conversations about faith. It wasn't possible to, to go to the local shop and ask to have a notice put up for a, a prayer meeting, um, but uh, they prayed. Uh, there is this response to uh, the, uh, the reality of the, of the situation they were facing, and the first thing they do is they pray. And that's our first lesson tonight, an application. Uh, and it's a basic lesson, but it's a lesson that certainly I need to keep on learning. So I think we, we all need to keep on learning uh, this lesson. Uh, the first thing we do when we hit trouble whether it's as a church, whether it's as a family, whether it's as an individual, whether it's as a nation. The first thing we do is uh, we're to pray. And so we see them pray. They're fasting, but that fasting was a, a code for, uh, for prayer. Let's think a little bit more about um, uh, this, this uh, point, though, because uh, not only did they pray, but we're given an insight into how they prayed. And uh, we can see something about uh, the nature of their prayer. So, so what do we see in, in, in their prayer? Well, there's two things we see in the way that they prayed. Uh, there's repentance and there's a reality about their prayer. If you look at verse 1 and 2, uh, we can see that they're not wearing suits. They're not wearing track suits. They're not wearing their casual clothes as they uh, turn to prayer. Uh, they are clothed in, in sackcloth and, and ashes. And that was the uniform of prayer. That was an open sign of repentance. These were garments that were put on to indicate uh, a, a repentance about the people. One commentator says sackcloth and ashes were used as an outward sign of one's inward condition. Such a symbol made one's change of heart visible and demonstrated the sincerity of one's grief and or repentance. So as they prayed, there's repentance. As they faced this crisis, you could say uh, they were asking God to search their hearts. And as God searched their hearts and as perhaps they uh, were shown their sin, they don't contest it, they repent. To the sackcloth and the ashes indicates a, a repentance, a, a contrite spirit that's seen among God's people. Uh, so there's repentance in their prayer. And the second thing in their prayer is there's a reality about it. This was real prayer. This was intense prayer. This was sincere prayer. Uh, they tore their clothes, it says in verse 1, in desperation. Uh, they lay down before God, it says in, in verse 3. Uh, there was a sound of weeping and wailing amongst God's people. This was intense, this was fervent, there was a reality. 
about their prayer. This wasn't casual. This wasn't uh, one eye open, one eye closed prayer. This wasn't the kind of prayer where the, the slightest buzz on your phone takes you away down a, a track that uh, uh, distracts us for prayer for the next half an hour. This was fervent, sincere, desperate prayer. So they prayed. They faced trouble. They prayed. Uh, and there was repentance in their prayer. There was a reality in their prayer. And as we watch them, we should learn. Uh, we, we learn ourselves. Uh, we're taught how we're to pray, uh, especially when we hit trouble. Uh, sometimes the trouble that we face is unrelated to sin. Uh, think about Job. There's a whole book there uh, that makes clear to us that Job, uh, although he encountered the most desperate trouble, it wasn't because of sin. It was actually because of his righteousness. So we can never look at somebody and say, you're having a hard time, well, what have you done? Sometimes the, the, the trouble that we face is, is absolutely nothing to do with sin. But sometimes trouble can be sin-related. We can swing to the other extreme. And sometimes never stop to think, well, what is God saying to me when I, when I hit trouble? Sometimes when we're spiritually drifting, sometimes when we're so deep in the world that we can't find time to open God's word, we have no uh, heart or mind to actually uh, draw near to him in prayer. The only way he can reach us is in providence. And so sometimes uh, God gets our attention through even difficult circumstances. And when we face that, uh, we should ask the Lord to search our hearts. And when we see sin... We're to repent. And when we pray, uh, whatever is going on in our lives, whether we're going through hard times or whether uh, things are, are relatively easy, when we pray, uh, it should be real. It should be intense. Uh, we are to remember as we pray. And our prayer would be transformed if we remembered every time that we open our mouths and every time that we bend our knee that we have an audience with the King of Kings. He's listening. So as we pray, uh, we are to engage in prayer with, with all our hearts. So the first thing we see as they respond to uh, this trouble is that they prayed. And the second thing we see uh, as we continue through the chapter is uh, they, they plan. Uh, as we step through the verses, uh, we see that God's people, having first spoken to God, they now begin to speak to each other. We often get that order wrong. You know, we speak to everybody else first. We're on the phone, we're messaging, uh, we're seeking counsel here, there and everywhere. We're talking to everyone in, the, in our experience before we actually get on our knees and speak to God. Well, that's the wrong order and we see that here. They speak first to God and then they speak to each other and they begin to plan. There's action now in terms of the practicalities of uh, the situation. Uh, Kenny Stewart, the minister in Glasgow, says, until we pray, there is nothing we can do. But once you pray, there is everything to do. And that's what we see here. Uh, there's uh, activity and there's planning in the next few verses. Uh, stage one of the plan is uh, to alert Esther, the queen, uh, to the problem. Remember, Esther's locked away in the palace. She is uh, uh, in this luxurious prison. She has no Wi-Fi connection. She has no iPhone. She has no connection with the outside world. She doesn't know what's going on. So the news of this edict, this order, wouldn't have reached her. But as Mordecai and as uh, the other Jews uh, go out onto the streets and they start to weep and, uh, and pray publicly, uh, the news would soon get to Esther that all was not well. That's what happened. In verse 4, we're told uh, Esther's maids and eunuchs uh, came in, having been out there on the street, and they told her about Mordecai, uh, and she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he, he would not accept them. So Esther, when she, she hears of Mordecai's state, uh, her, her first instinct is to protect and calm down Mordecai. You know, this public display of attention was, was going to draw attention to, to Mordecai. People would start to see his nationality, that he's a Jew. People would start to, to, to realize that he has faith, and that may get Mordecai into, into a whole lot of trouble. So, 
so she sends a new outfit uh, for Mordecai to put on, uh, which was about like putting a, a wee plaster over a wound that needs a thousand stitches. And Mordecai, when he receives this new outfit, uh, he sends it straight back. He won't take it, which was another indication to Esther uh, that something serious was wrong. And I think there's a, there's a lesson there for us just to note in passing. Uh, we, we can be very quick to act like Esther. Uh, when people are in distress, uh, we're, we're very quick sometimes just to say, you know, it's okay, don't worry. Just don't give it a thought. Just just think about something else. Uh, you know, change your clothes, wash your face, take a walk. Don't cry, just forget about it. But sometimes that's uh, not the right thing to do. Sometimes the right thing to do is to cry and lament and be sad, as they were here. The situation was serious. This was not the time for God's people to, to change their outfit and feel better. They needed to weep. And Esther uh, is beginning to understand that as she uh, receives this outfit from Mordecai uh, back to the, the palace. And Esther now has to send a message out to Mordecai to find out what's going on. So verse 5. Then Esther summoned Hathath, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathath went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And let's hit pause there just for a second. I wonder if I was to have asked the question this morning. Or even at five o'clock this afternoon. Tell me about Hathath. You know these Bible trivia quizzes. You know, tell me about Hathath. What do we know about Hathath? I would doubt if uh, anybody would have been able to give much of an answer uh, when it came to a question about Hathath. I think most of us would have said, you know, who, who is he? We, we don't know his name. To be honest, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. But God knew his name. And God the Holy Spirit made sure that his name was recorded. And uh, Hathath's job here was crucial. We see that. Uh, he, he needs to go out of the palace, which may have been risky. He needs to find Mordecai. Remember, Mordecai now is a marked man. Uh, Haman, the prime minister, uh, has his sights on him. And Hathath, uh, he, he needs to find out the truth. He needs to find out the extent of the bad news about the danger that God's people were in. And then he needs to take that uh, report and, uh, and carry it back to Esther. So on the one hand, Hathath's job was quite straightforward. He was just a messenger. But his job was absolutely crucial. Uh, he was one of the links in the chain that led to the salvation of God's people, just a little down the line. And we are to be the commentator. Uh, he says this. He says, I doubt that Hathath realised what an important part he was playing in God's plan to defeat Haman and save the Jews. And then he follows up by saying this. So often in the work of the Lord, he uses obscure people to accomplish important tasks. What was the name, asks Wearsby, of the lad who gave Jesus his loaves and fishes? Who were the men who rescued Paul by lifting him over that Damascus wall in a basket? What was the name of the little servant girl who told Naaman to go and see the prophet? We don't know. But God used these people to accomplish his purposes. Uh, as great doors can swing upon small hinges, so great events can turn upon the deeds of small and sometimes anonymous people. So the application is to be a Hathath. Uh, be available. Uh, be willing to be a messenger of God. Be willing uh, to be a, a, a link in the chain that God may use to save his people. Let's carry on verse 7. Mordecai told him everything that happened to him, including the, this is Mordecai told Hathath, everything that happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict, for the annihilation which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told them to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with them for her people. Hathath went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. And if you put yourself in the shoes of, of Hathath just for a minute, um, he must have been thinking, what on earth am I involved in here? 
You know, I went out with a, a fairly straightforward a message. I thought I was just going to have to deliver a, a message, but what am I in the middle of here? I mean, he can see, surely, that he is in the middle of something serious. Hathath was probably thinking, what's going to happen if I'm found out to be, to be an agent to the Jews? What's going to happen if, if Xerxes and, and Haman discover that I've been leaking information uh, to do with uh, this edict and, and I might be used to undermine it? I mean, this was serious stuff. This was, was life and death stuff. But he, he didn't shrink back. Uh, he's faithful in passing on the, the message from Mordecai to Esther. Uh, and now he's got another message to pass uh, back in reply. Look at verse uh, 10 and 11. Uh, Esther, there's a bit of ping pong here. The message is going back and forth. They didn't have a mobile phone. They couldn't uh, text in three seconds. Then she, Esther, instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and all the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the golden scepter to him and spare his life. But for 30 days, uh, says Esther, uh, 30 days has passed and since I was called to go into the king. There was, there, there was a time when the king seemed to be absolutely infatuated with Esther, but it seems that just now is not that time. And Esther is worried. Some say um, that Esther's been selfish here. Uh, some of the commentators say she's just, she's just thinking about number one. Uh, she's just thinking about the danger that she's in. She's just thinking about uh, saving her own skin. She's not thinking about the 15 million Jews that could be affected. Uh, we don't know that. I think that's harsh personally. Now, I wonder if Esther's just counting the cost here. Uh, she's in a position where she may be able, on behalf of her people, to plead for mercy. She's at a, a, a juncture where uh, she may, on behalf of her people, be able to, to seek salvation, uh, but she recognises she's not flavour of the month with the king. So this is risky. This king can be rash. He can be unpredictable. Uh, we saw that with Vashti. She says no to him once and she's gone. One uh, historian tells a story about, uh, about Xerxes, and uh, uh, it's a story where uh, his army are marching from one place to the other. I can't remember where they were marching from and to. But en route in this uh, army's march, uh, they were to cross two bridges. So up ahead in the route that was selected, there was two bridges that they were due to cross. But before uh, the army arrived at the bridges, uh, the, the area was hit by a storm. And such was the strength of the storm that the two bridges uh, were, were swept away uh, by the waters and uh, the army was, was held back. And uh, it says, and I'm just reading here from the, the article, Xerxes was enraged and had those responsible for building the bridges beheaded. He's then said to have thrown fetters into the strait, given it 300 whiplashes and branded it with red hot irons as the soldier shouted at the water. So this is the kind of man we're dealing with. So furious is he when he doesn't get his own way that he decides he's going to whip the sea. Yeah, he's not a stable man. And so Esther is in a very risky situation as she's been asked to make her approach. And so she tells that to, to Mordecai. She tells Mordecai, this is, this is far from straightforward. My neck is on the line here. This is risky. I wonder when you and I uh, last took a risk for God. You know, Esther's weighing that up just now. She recognises the risk, the potential cost here. Uh, when did you and I last take a, a risk for God? You know, we're not living in, an, in, in a Xerxes culture. We're, we're not going to lose our heads for speaking about Jesus, but we can lose our reputation. We can lose our credibility. We can lose friends. Uh, it can be risky to share faith. So when did we last take a risk 
for Jesus' sake. That's the Esther issue that she's wrestling with at this point. The stakes are high for her. And so uh, she uh, reports back to Mordecai, verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. And that's the key verse in the book, I think. If I was to ask the, the question beforehand, tell me a verse from Esther, that would be the verse we'd go to. Who knows? But that you, Esther, have come to royal position for such a time as this. Esther here is recognised. We recognise Esther as the, the woman that God put in a particular place uh, at a particular time to do this particular job. And Esther, if she was willing, that's what she's wrestling with. If she was willing, God was going to use her to bring salvation to her people. What would have happened if she bottled it? Uh, what would have happened if, if Esther uh, just said, no, it's just too high a risk? Well, Mordecai actually gives the answer to that. And he, he says to Esther, Esther, if you remain silent, if, if you hide in the palace, Esther, then God will still save his people. But he'll save his people through someone else, some other way. But maybe Esther, says Mordecai, maybe God's plan is to use you. You know, as we look around uh, in the, the place that God has put us, in terms of our family, in terms of our friends, in terms of this place, as we uh, think about the time that we're living in, the circumstances that we face, none of it's a coincidence. And you know, in the circumstances that we're in, at the time that we're living in, uh, the, the lesson, one of the lessons from the book of Esther is that, that if we are God's people, he wants to use us. And it's a great privilege. Uh, God doesn't need us, but he gives us the opportunity uh, to be used in his salvation story so esther has that opportunity now so what would she do she's prayed there's a plan that's coming together and the final thing is that she proceeds then esther verse 15 said sent this reply to mordecai go gather together all the jews who are in susa and fast for me do not eat or drink for three days night or day i and my maids will fast as you do and i think it's worth noting there just before we move on uh, that uh, you know the people around esther her maids uh, they now know She's one of God's people. They might not have known in the past, but they, they now know that she's one of God's people. Esther, at some point, has shared her, her faith with them. And Esther has used the position and the influence that she has uh, to encourage them uh, to look to the God that she worships. Because uh, Esther says, not just I will pray, but she says, uh, my people, uh, these people who are with me, my maids, they will pray as well. They'll fast as I do. And when this is done, says Esther, verse 16, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. And so as we finish, we can see uh, Esther is going forward. She's proceeding. And in this section, we, we see the same pattern again, don't we? She prays. She calls for corporate prayer. Then she plans. She has this plan to, to go uh, to the king, even though it was against the law, uh, even though it may cost her her life. And now Esther and Mordecai are ready to, to proceed. So what will happen next? Well, if you haven't read the book of Esther, you're going to have to wait for that. We'll find out in due course what will happen next. But uh, just a closing thought. Uh, think about this. Esther is pointing us here to, to Jesus. We, we see, we see um, previews of Jesus in this story. You know, Esther saw here at this juncture, she may have to lay down her life in seeking to save her people. But Jesus knew before he came, that he definitely would have to lay down his life to save us. But he, he did it. In accordance with the, the plan of God, he came, he lived, he died. He proceeded to the cross for us. So let's look to him. 
Let's trust in him and we'll pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this, this story, this account of what happened in history many, many years ago. And uh, we see the complexity and the wonder of uh, your plan uh, to save your people when all looked lost, when it looked absolutely hopeless. Uh, we see the wonder of how you used even, even Esther and Mordecai and even Hathath uh, to bring your salvation plan into uh, action. And we know that this plan is a plan which uh, didn't stop with Esther, but it, it carried on all the way to, to Jesus. Uh, he is the one who would be born uh, as uh, the king of the Jews, from the line of the Jews. And we thank you that Jesus did come into this world. We thank you for the, the eternal salvation plan of God. We thank you that Jesus laid down his life in order that we could be saved, in order that we would not perish, but that if we believed in him, we would have eternal life. So help us to look to Jesus. Help us to trust in Jesus. And help us, uh, as Esther did, uh, to serve you, Lord in the places and the situations that you put us in uh, day by day uh, in our lives. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.